Hey guys, this is Francis, and welcome to As You Wish, where we explore one line from one verse of the book, Vashishta's Yoga. It's going to be an exciting ride. Here we go. Okay, so I am calling this one Beyond Sorrow. This is part three, chapter seven. And where we are in the story is Rama asks Vashishta where God is and how to reach him. They talk about pure intelligence, moving beyond sorrow, dualism and non-dualism, and moving into stillness. Here's the quote. He is the intelligence dwelling in the body. He is the universe, though the universe is not he. He is pure intelligence. The takeaway, three things. Moving beyond sorrow. That's number one. Number two. Will that be tea for two, or would you like a table for one? And number three, moving into stillness. Let me elaborate a little bit. Number one, moving beyond sorrow. Moving beyond sorrow. So what this makes me think of is that sometimes in the depth of sorrow, we find a way to move beyond it, to find some sort of peace. And sometimes that looks like maybe looking for a higher power, you know, when, when we're in the depth of a crisis, you know, looking for some kind of help, even if you never were really a religious person, or, you know, you might find that that's the moment that you are looking to connect. So I have a memory of my mom when she was very sick. Uh, My mom's native language is Spanish. And although I grew up around Spanish and family parties and whenever there were gatherings, we never spoke Spanish in the house. So my Spanish was, you know, pretty rusty. But when my mom was very sick and in the hospital, I remember prayers very quickly. And I happened to be so grateful that we had a nurse that is also a friend of the family that was there and knew the prayers in Spanish as her native language as well. So I kept up as best as I could, but there we were, me trying to keep up, mom and our good friend of the family, the three of us just praying very quickly in Spanish. And I just remember it was like, it was a deep connection. It was a profound, profound connection for my mom at that moment. And um, I just have that just really crystal clear memory of what that feeling was like in the moment. And I think that that happens a lot of times, you know, when you're in the depth of something that is really challenging to deal with, whether it be something on a smaller level, you know, or whether you are in the hospital and very sick. So I just want to have gratitude for this knowing that there is sort of a mechanism that that can be in place for moving beyond sorrow, you know, when you're in the middle of it. And I want to encourage looking for other tools. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's picking up a guitar and strumming a few chords or learning something that you are not familiar with that you always wanted to learn because you might have to really pull your focus into that direction to then find what is it that you can connect with in the moment, right, that will really help you in the depth of sorrow. So that's number one. Number two, Will that be tea for two or would you like a table for one? So uh, I, I had to kind of giggle at this one a little bit because, you know, 
where this is coming from is the idea of talking about dualism and non-dualism. And where my mind goes is, wow, that feels really complicated. You know, so I just want to find a little bit of lightheartedness in it. And remember this time when I used to work at the Cheesecake Factory as one of my early jobs in life. I was in college and it was this huge place and the whole the whole operation had different layers to it as far as what made things run. Like the, the kitchen was its own, you know, whole operation. Where I worked though was at the front desk. So I was the person that would greet you and bring you to your table. And the person that was above me that ran the front desk was so crystal clear on what they did and how they did it. Um, and different people had different jobs at, at different points. So there was a whole crew at the front desk because it was a very large restaurant. And we each had a laminated card that was a map of the restaurant and, and a grease pencil where you could walk around and nonchalantly look to see where people were uh, in their meal. Were they you know, just starting? Were they on dessert? Had they paid their check already and they're just chatting? And the idea wasn't to, you know, push anybody out of their tables, but if other people were waiting, and oftentimes there was a long wait list, um, people had to wait a long time to, to get a table there. So we wanted to be as efficient as possible. And so we would mark down, you know, well, you know, if someone's paid their check already and they're just chatting, they might just be there for a couple more minutes as they gather up to go. Um, or if they're on dessert, maybe it'll be 15 more minutes. But if they're, you know, just ordering their entrees, then it's going to be a while. So you just want to know that. So I'm thinking about the person who was like in charge of running that whole operation at the front desk and sending, you know, people out to be the eyes to go see what's happening and then bring back the information. Um, or, you know, there were other people that were seating people or finding people in another part of the restaurant to, to bring them back. This was before we had all of the technology of everybody having a pager to call them when their table is ready. And so um, the person who ran the front desk, her name was Mamie. And she was fabulous. She was so focused, so clear, so on point, um, you know, sent everybody out for their jobs, was really in charge of, of things, but was this kind of generous spirit and, and, and with some humor would then just run things, um, which sometimes you had to have a little bit of humor. And one day I remember there was a couple that had come in and their last name was T. And so when Mamie called out their name, she called out T for two, your table is ready. And at that moment, it was just a fun moment to, to think of the song that is T for Two, whereas in this context, it was just that their table was ready. So the difference between having two people or having like a table for one, which is can also be very nice. You might be taking yourself out for a treat or just, you know, bringing a good book to read and enjoying the space. So there's this idea about the difference between two and one. And I had to look up a little bit like dualism and non-dualism to just understand dualism. Just the definition is the division of something conceptually into two opposed or contrasted aspects or the state of being so divided. And some examples are God and the world, matter and spirit, 
body and mind, or this idea with the, of the contrast, it could be good and evil, right? Those are like metaphysical examples of dualism, like separateness, two parts to things. Um, and then the idea of non-dualism is that it literally, it means not to. So the idea here is this mature state of consciousness where the dichotomy of I as an other right, is transcended and the, what this is called is centeredness, like there are no dichotomies. And dichotomies is kind of like that where there are two things, like this uh, dualism, right? So you can kind of think of it that as well. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this idea of dualism and non-dualism. And uh, that's sort of how I tried to uh, make sense of it. So yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that one a little bit. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep working on it. Um, so number three, moving into stillness. So this is actually the title of a book by um, a yoga teacher that I really appreciate so much, Eric Schiffman. So Eric Schiffman wrote this book. It's called Yoga, The Spirit and Practice of Moving into Stillness. And uh, I love that image of moving into stillness. A lot of times, like the yoga practice can be done, you know, before you do a meditation practice so that you kind of, I guess, get all the wiggles out. You know, you, um, you move your body and then you can get to a state where you feel comfortable being still. Now, you can also just meditate, you know, like just do it <laughs> and not do a whole yoga practice before, but both work, you know, or both are good. Um, but you, you do feel differently if you kind of, you know, again, get a, get a good physical workout and then you you can find a peacefulness maybe a little bit quicker, a little, a little bit easier. You won't always be able to do that. So it is a good idea to just meditate from, you know, zero, you know, just you could wake up first thing in the morning or just choose a time of day and do it. Um, and that also, again, is a, is a good practice. Um, so both. Um, so thinking about moving into stillness with regard to, you know, this section of the Yoga Vashishta, they mention it here, and that reminded me of Eric Schiffman's book. It also reminds me of a wonderful, wonderful teacher, Vanessa Zuise Goddard, um, and she wrote a book called Still Running. I, I know Zuise as I know her um, from the Zen Mountain Monastery where she was a monk for many, many years and we used to attend the Zen Kids program, which she ran. And I remember going on a camping trip. I think my youngest was four and my oldest was seven. The way the camping trip was set up was there was sort of like a circular path. And all of the families had tents on either side set up. So it was like the kids were in this enclosed space where right, kind of this idea of it takes a village. Like we've all had this sense that you know, we, everybody was watching out for each other. So the kids were really in this sort of safe area. And I remember, um, as we say, initiating a game of flashlight tag, which I didn't quite know what that was. But basically, you were running like you're playing tag, you know, it's dusk and dark enough that the flashlights will show up if you kind of flash it on, on someone and then you, you, you know, you're it. <laughs> and I just remember the kids running, particularly my youngest, just running, running, running. And uh, I know Zuise, besides being a wonderful um, teacher in the Zen 
practice is uh, an avid runner. And um, I always think of that camping trip and running and connect that with Suisse. So I think of Suisse in her book that is um, talking about this idea of moving into stillness and using a moving practice as a sort of a meditation as well, being able to get the benefit of that um, and have that apply to your daily life. So moving into stillness. So two wonderful teachers that that reminds me of, this idea of moving into stillness. So those are our few things to take away for today. Number one, moving beyond sorrow. Number two, tea for two, or will that be a table for one? And kind of just trying to understand dualism and non-dualism a little bit. And number three, moving into stillness. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to go to Apple iTunes and leave a positive review. It will help more people find it and join along on the journey with us. Take care. Have a great day. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.